tonight, I'm preaching on how to get God to do miracles. Thank y'all, but y'all look so exciting. You know, a lot of people think that God is random. He is not. No, he's not random. I heard a minister make a statement one time, and it's very, very true. God operates by spiritual law. Did you know that? Thank you. Either one of them do. He operates by law. If you, if you find out what causes something to happen, it'll happen every time. And case in point, and we know this when it comes to people being born again, we do not doubt if you're sitting there talking to a family member and saying, hey, have you accepted Jesus as Lord, that they pray they'll be born again. There's, you know, there's a, that's just God, you don't have to be prayed up. You don't have to have a, a, a spiritual atmosphere going. It's just, it's a, it, there's, a, there's just a law. God operates by laws. The law of faith works all the time. And I'll tell you something that will shock you. If you know people who are not born again, and they're givers. The law of sowing and reaping still works. I've heard stories of men who were heathen and helped churches, and God blessed them for it. It works all, it works because you work it. So there are laws that govern God working. There, and He's looking for certain things. I'm going to show you tonight one of those things that always gets God's attention. And, and, and in the opposite, it's true. If you do the opposite, you, it'll absolutely stop God from moving. So I'm going to show you what it is. Matthew 8, start with verse 2. And I'm, I'm just going to read a bunch of scriptures. Maybe I shouldn't even tell you where I'm going. I just want to start laying down a foundation. 8-2. A leper came and worshiped him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand, touched him and says, I'm willing to be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I want you to, I want you to go back and I want you to pay attention to these words. The leper came and worshiped him. He didn't just come up and say, I want to be healed. There's a little more going on here. So in 918, and, I, and I'm just going to read. If you keep up, you keep up. It doesn't matter to me. 918 is another story. Uh, it says, while he spoke these things, a ruler came and worshiped him and said, my daughter has just died. Come and lay your hands on her and she will live. And Jesus arose and followed him. And so he did his disciples. We know that the woman with the issue of blood stepped in there. But I want you to notice that there was something going on here that kicked off Jesus saying, yes, I'll do this. And it was the worship. He began to worship the Lord. Now, you know, uh, if I don't know whether you know this or not, because we, we are Americans and we're born again, and we're looking backward through time. But when Jesus walked the earth, the issue that the Jews had with Jesus was that he said he was God. Now that, you, now we're going, okay, no big deal. But for them, to them, and even this day in Israel, their hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. That means no man is God. For them to even grasp that the Messiah had was 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 um, walked with God pre being born in a manger blows their minds. That is very hard on on a, on a Jewish mind to grasp. So you don't worship people. Now you got to understand, we're reading the Bible, we're reading over this. We're not thinking anything about what we're reading because we're a Gentile reading a Bible and thinking that's kind of normal for us. But you understand uh, in the Old Testament, every time... Uh, somebody came and worshiped a man, they said, stop it. 
I'm a man. Elijah the prophet said, don't do that. I'm a man. Don't worship me. And, and all of the prophets, all of the men of God forbade people to worship them. But Jesus never stopped anybody from worshiping him. And the fact that they worshiped him said they knew something about him. They, that was a statement of faith. So I want you to think about what I'm fixing to say. How do you know when you are in faith? Have you ever been praying and reading and reading the Bible and saying, well, I'm standing on the word of God and according to my faith be it unto me, but how do I know I'm in faith? I've thought it. I used to wrestle with, am I mentally assenting? Am, am I in faith? And how do I know I'm in faith? Just because I say by stripes I'm healed doesn't mean I'm in faith. Well, there's a real clear way to know whether you're in faith. People of faith worship. You can look around the room and see who's walking with God on a Sunday morning by who's worshiping and who's standing there staring at the ceiling. And the ones that are standing there doing nothing, then nothing happens. I mean, they come to church, and they what they did, and nothing ever happens to me. I don't know why you're talking about me, I don't know about me, and me, and me. And they go home, and they go, nothing. I'm going to get nothing out of the service. And then there's people who come in, and they're, they're, they're just... They're falling off. My God, you, you, you took my place. You, you died for me. You love me. Oh, my God, thank you. I love you. And they just, there's this something about people that walk in and they just worship God. And, and stuff happens for them all the time. And nobody's ever been able to sit back and pinpoint, what are they doing that's causing God to take notice of them? So worship is not just faith, it's humility. Not worshiping is pride. Well, what are people going to think about me? Well, I don't think you're just broken, sick, and dumb is what they think about you. You know, if you're in a room with people worshiping and you're not, you do look weird. I mean, if you don't want to look stupid, worship. We know when, you're, when someone tells a joke and you don't get it, just laugh. <laughs> Blondes do. <laughs> Never mind, I just, I could get on that. I mean, I just love to mess with you. Look at Matthew 14 now. We'll just go through here. Let's look at another one, Matthew 14. We'll start with verse 30. He's in the boat with his disciples, Peter just got through walking on the water and sinking and Jesus picked him back up. And it says, when they saw the wind, it was boisterous. He was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind stopped. It just stopped. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him. And said, oh, you are the son of God. That's made a, quite an impact on them. I mean, you wouldn't you? They're in a boat. Now think about this for a minute. They're in a boat afraid. They're in a boat afraid. And he's standing outside the boat going, why are y'all afraid? It's windy. Yes, it is. It's raining. Yes. The boat's filling with water. So? Well, that'll freak you out. So they were always asking, who are you? You know, to them, he's a rabbi. He's mean, just another rabbi, just another Jew. And when a Jew walks up to you on the lake, you're different. <laughs> Mary Fran and I were talking about something that needs to happen more and more often. People need to look at us and say, who are you? Who are you? I went to um, City Hall the other day and they called me and asked me if I would come in and open up the year in prayer 
for the first city hall meeting. Well, you know, those things, I don't believe in accidents. So I'm coming through a pumpkin. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he gave me a scripture out of the book of Job. And the scripture was basically this. If you obey me, I'll prosper this city. So I got up and gave a prophetic word to the mayor and the city council. Just so, but his wife, Debbie, walked up to me and she says, we were talking about you. Now, see, what she means by that is that before Mayor um, ran for mayor, they were eating uh, lunch one day at um, Tijuana Flats, the one over here in Wakiva. I, I have never eaten lunch at Tijuana Flats. I don't even go to Tijuana Flats for lunch. But Lisa left here when I said, what do you want for lunch? She goes, let's go to Tijuana. And I'm going, Who, what happened to Lisa? You know, she doesn't drive anywhere to eat lunch. She doesn't backtrack. If you pass a restaurant, she won't come back to it. That's backtracking. So, you know, she just doesn't waste time. So for her to say that was odd to me. I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm game for a good burrito. Let's go. I like the big old ones. You soak it in that big old red sauce and fill it up with cheese and red beans. And I can just, and put jalapeno, jalapeno sauce all over that dude so it bites you when you bite it, you know. So anyway, having said that, I walked in there and, and Mayor Brian, well, Brian Nelson was county commissioner at the time. And him and I were working together on something out at the amphitheater. And so we had a meeting the next day and he looked at me and said, um, I'm going to be running, I'm coming out of Orlando. I will not have time to stop and buy lunch. Would you pick me up a lunch and bring it to the meeting? I said, I will. And when I said that, the Holy Ghost came on me. And I said, I will buy a lunch for the next mayor of the city. Now, you understand, that's the office of a prophet. Okay. So his wife, Debbie, was about as far from here as Melanie, and she'd already headed to the car. And she heard me say that, and she turned around and made a beeline and put her nose right on mine and said, the voice of God in your mouth and I said, yes, it is. I said, your husband is the next mayor of the city. And I just walked off. You know, that makes an impression on people. Because yeah. you're not like everybody else. You know, there's, not everybody's walking up and telling you where you're going to be in a few years. Right. Now, that's not the only time that's ever happened. That happens to me. It happens more outside this church than in it. Can I tell you all why? Familiarity breeds contempt. Yeah. It is hard for you guys to hear from me because you know me. But, I, but everywhere I go outside this church, that prophet's office kicks in full bore. It happens here too, but you don't know it. And a lot of times when it's happening, you, you just, Daryl said. And I just laugh and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, right. But you know, we need to start, we need to be such a people that, that, People go, they're not like everybody else. Those people are so different than everyone. I had a businessman sit with me one day and he said, Why, what is it with you? Because you are not like anybody I have ever met. And I said, well, God is in me. He said, something's in you. <laughs> and every Christian, everybody who's born again ought to have an aroma of God inside of you. And we're walking around with God in us, and people ought to know it. Yeah. I used to work construction, and when I did, every time they would bring the blocks or anything, they would come to me and bring me the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And I was over there signing for it, and the, and the owner of the company would come up and get angry. That, give me that, you are not the boss. And I said, well, it's not my fault they always bring it to me. Do y'all find that kind of odd when you walk in a room and everybody thinks you own the business? I'll tell you one thing I did. It's kind of a little deceitful. But that's good to pretend like you own a business. I was in Walmart one day and I was back there in a line with about eight people getting a battery. And I didn't want to stand in the line. And and the man ringing me up, his manager was sitting there shooting a bull with him. And he shouldn't have been. And so I stepped out of line and I walked up to him and I said, open the other register now. 
And he looked at me like, I don't know who he is, but he might be somebody. He might be the owner. And he went on the other restaurant and said, yes, sir. Just act like you own the place sometimes. Just act like you own it. Now, I'm standing in line waiting on a battery while you're shooting a bull. I got someplace to be today, baby. <laughs> so I didn't mean to point at you. And got a, oh, my God. He's prophesying to me to go on the register. So, but I'm telling you, Jesus, they looked at him and said, who, who are you? Because, you, you know, you, you, you're doing stuff nobody else. You know, but nobody else walks around on top of the water. And then when they get in the boat and, the whole, and everything stops, so they, this revelation of who he is created worship. When you have a revelation of who Jesus is, you, there's going to be a demonstration from you and it will be worship. When you see people worshiping God, it is because they have a revelation of who it is they're talking to. And those are the people, things happen. Miracles happen when people worship God. I mean, you just, you just go on YouTube and you can go to churches and watch people in the building just worshiping God. And I'm going to tell you, people to get healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, stuff happens all over that building. People come in and worship God. Now, let me get negative for y'all in a minute. You come walking in here 10 minutes, 15 minutes after the service starts, let me just, just stay in bed. Because, yeah. you know, you ain't getting anything anyway, you numb nut. You've already showed God that what you think of God ain't much anyway. You, I mean, you're, you're dragging in while the service is going on. They're worshiping God. They're, they're worshiping God and you're walking around the building. What do you think is going to happen for you? Well, nothing. Okay. I'm trying to help you to get to church on time if you think about it a little bit. Because if something's important, how important is church? How important is a worship service? I'll tell you what I hate is to be in a meeting and watch the preachers walk in after the worship service has been going for 20 minutes. I'm going, I don't know who you think you are, cowboy, but, but you, you got washed in the same blood everybody else did. Uh, never mind, I just, I have a problem with preachers. I do. Especially when they start thinking they're God's gift to the planet, man. You know, I don't know what blood you got under. Hallelujah. Look at 1521, Matthew 15. Turn the page. Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried to him, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. Have you ever had a problem in your home? Yes. All right. I'm going to show you how to get an answer to it. And he answered her not a word. Have you ever prayed and God said nothing? Yes. I have. I've had times when I've gotten a little aggravated. I'm going, excuse me, I am praying and praying and praying. And I mean, heaven is brass right now, and I want to know what I need to be doing because I'd like to get some prayers answered. I mean, I know, I mean, I know Washington shut down, but I did not know heaven did. <laughs> Angels are out of work. He answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him and said, send her away. She cries after us. And he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and what? Worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. And he, but he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. She's a Gentile. She's not, a, she's not in blood covenant. She has no covenant right to be healed. Think about that for a minute. We have a woman getting a prayer answered and she doesn't even have a covenant with God. Is it possible for a sinner to get a healing? Yeah, absolutely it is. 
All right, look at this. Yea, Lord, yet even little dogs eat the crumbs which fell from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Do you think that her worshiping God had anything to do with that? Absolutely. Now I'm going to read, how many of y'all have never heard of Norval Hayes? One, two, three, that's fine. Four, okay. He's gone home to be with the Lord. You want to do yourself a favor, you can go to Amazon, download his books. His little books are like a buck and his other books, four or five bucks. He is a, was, is, he is alive, but he don't have his money with him. He was a multimillionaire businessman. He was a, a guy that was making thousands of dollars a week when he was a teenager. His mama died. He grew up in a Baptist church. And uh, he said one day that he was driving down the road and he was all kinds of money. He owned seven businesses. He said one time, I have so much money, I don't even know how much money I have. And that's a real big problem, don't you think? I don't have any idea how much money I have. And he said, I was miserable, so I pulled off the side of the road and I cried out to God and Jesus came and filled the car up with the glory and came and sat in his car and he said, he killed me. In other words, he died that day and gave his heart to Jesus totally and said, I will do whatever you tell me to do. As a businessman, and I'm talking about multi-multi-millionaire, he would go to the city dump and feed children for seven years. After that, God said, I want you to start teaching the Bible. If you've never heard Norval, read his books, but listen to him preach. He is nothing like anything you've ever heard in your entire life. The ones that have heard him are like, yeah, I bet you. My brothers and sisters, my, you got to worship God. I mean, he, and, and he's just a, he's a, he's a hoot. But I want to read a story here because he had a daughter that wasn't living right at one time. Okay. That's why I like paper books. I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to read this and you're going to enjoy it. He said, I know what it's like to have a devil-possessed, drug-addicted child that no one can reach or help. My daughter was so bad that I had the best ministers in the land come to my house. Now, he was personal friends with Brother Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, and all the big dogs. So everybody has tried to minister to his daughter. Her name is Zona. They would talk to her, and she seemed to listen, but she kept right taking dope. And I just kept right on praying and worshiping the Lord. The reason I kept on praying and worshiping the Lord is I knew that five of her friends had already died. They were all part of a group of about 10 youngsters who ran around together. They'd go to nightclubs, horse races, and beach parties. Five of them ended up dead, and I did not want that to happen to my daughter. I would pray that God would send down his angels and protect her. I knew that she and her friends would do things like get out on the highway on weekends and see how fast they could take curves without turning over. Or they would try to outrun the police with all 10 of them in one car and high on drugs. They did all sort of goofed up devilish things. As a result, some of them ended up overdosing on drugs, drowning in the lake, or catching themselves on fire. But through it all, I kept praying, and even though I saw no results in the natural. So I know what you're going through in your house. I know the hell of living in a house with a devil-possessed child. I know what it's like to love that child with all of your being. I know what it's like to remember the good times you had when that child was growing up and swimming and doing picnics. I know what it's like to recall the child climbing in your lap at bedtime. I know what it's like to relive all those precious, innocent times. I also know what it's like to go to five funerals and stand looking down at lifeless bodies of five young people lying dead in caskets. I tell you, that kind of thing will make a believer out of you that the devil is real and he's out to steal, kill, and destroy you and your family. If you hadn't figured that out yet, then you hadn't lived very long. 
Every time I went to a funeral for one of those youngsters, Satan would tell me, your child is next. Yours will be next. Yours will be next. But I kept on trusting God. I kept on praying and confessing and binding the devil and worshiping the Lord. Do you ever get discouraged? No, I don't. I don't get discouraged about anything. I refuse to ever get discouraged. All the time this misery was going on, I would go off every weekend to Dallas or Albuquerque or New York someplace and hold meetings and win other people's children to God. And the devil would accuse me through other people who would come to me and ask, doesn't it make you feel funny to win other people's kids when, yours, when, you're, when you can't even save your own? And I tell you, it made me want to knock them in the head because they didn't have any sense. If you, don't, if you don't understand normal, you don't understand this kind of talk. Such people have no appreciation of the gospel. That's why the next moment I would repent and feel sorry for them. So I would say to them, yes, I'm going to Dallas next week and Albuquerque the next and New York the next. And the next time you see me, I'm going to be winning souls to Jesus, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils and helping people to receive miracles. And I know exactly how the woman who in the Bible felt when Jesus asked for a miracle for her daughter that was possessed by a demon. Now he goes back and relates this story. Like the woman, I kept on worshiping God. I kept passing out tracts. I kept doing the thing God called me to do. If you'll do that and you keep doing what God told you to do, you'll discover that God will do for you what he promised in his word. No human could help my daughter. She was too far gone for that. Do you know how, how she was finally set free of demon possession? The Lord sent a big angel in her room and scared her out of her wits. Do you know why she was scared? Because the angel who walked in her room sat down beside her and he was as big as two men. When you're that big and you come from heaven, all you got to do is show up. My daughter was so scared she couldn't say a word. And the angel got up and walked down the hall and my daughter jumped out of bed and followed after him. She saw him go down the hall, turn left and disappear right through the wall. She was really scared. So scared she changed her whole life forever. But that was all right with me because I didn't care how God did it as long as he did it. Blessed be the the name of the Lord. You might say, Brother Norville, isn't, isn't there some other way to get the Lord to manifest himself and perform miracles? Surely there must be an easier way to find favor with God than praying for three years. Yes, there is. I'm sorry to say the reason it took so long for me in that situation is because I was so ignorant about the things of God. If I knew what I know now, it would have taken so long. It would have happened quicker. I would have spent less time praying and a lot more time just worshiping him. You see, the more time you spend worshiping God, the more favor you have with him. If you want the Lord to do great things for you, you've got to spend time worshiping him. What did the woman do to get the Lord's attention? What can you and I do to get miracles? The answer is found in verse 25. She came and worshiped him. Now, we read that in the Bible, and we don't think anything about it. We just think that they came and worshiped. But I'm going to tell you something. I've seen, I've seen God do things for people. And, you know, you don't even have to be smart. You don't even have to have all your ducks lined up in a row because there is a God, and we're not him. Now, can I tell you another story a little closer to home? I'm going to anyway, so say yes. Oh, I thank you. I just didn't want to keep going if y'all weren't here tonight. You know, back when, when you go to Bible school and you supposedly, supposedly have a call of God on your life, you have a weird idea that everything is going to go right. It doesn't. Amen. So after, after I moved to Orlando and I was the youth pastor for a while, I got relieved of that duty for the simple reason that I had gone through a divorce. You know, there are people in the world today that divorce is the ultimate sin and it's unforgivable. And if you're divorced, you know, there's nothing even God can do for you. And so the, the, there was a church and, and at that time the pastor was not nice, but he has since come back and, and apologized to me and he's very, very nice to me now. So having said all that, during this time, I got a job laying concrete block with Weber and Tucker and I'm a block mason. Now, if you have a call of God on your life and you know you have a call of God in your life and God isn't even talking to you, then hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know what I'm talking about? You're praying and 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 God ain't even talking to you. Well, that's discouraging. So one day I'm coming home from work 
And I have to work five days a week, 40 hours a week, just to make ends meet, just to eat. My my wife has left me, the church has kicked me out, and now I am struggling. I am a faith man, and I am struggling. And the devil is beating me up. Yeah, you live for God. Look what happened to you. Lost your wife, kicked out of a church. Wow, mighty man of God you are. I know none of y'all have ever gone through that, but I have been through it way more than once. So I'm coming up the road, and I'm at International Drive. It's raining, and they're sending me home because it's raining. And when it rains, you don't work, and you don't get a paycheck. You get one, but it ain't very big. And so I am very, 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 very depressed. And I'm at the corner of, of of Kirkman, and I drive, and I said to God, I don't care if you have to chew me out. I would appreciate it if you just say something to me. I mean, even if it's mean. (laughs) I mean, I am just having a bad day. And this is the day he said, would you like for me to tell you a story? Now, when I got born again, he always came in my bedroom, sat down and said, would you like to hear a story? So that was awesome for me to have him say, would, I, would you like to hear a story? Now, I'm sitting and I drive in Kirkman. It's raining cats and dogs outside. It's depressing. I'm going home to a house with no food and no family. And, I'm, and, and he says, you want to hear a story? And I'm going, yes, I like to hear a story. So I'm sitting at the light, and I don't know how to explain to you that he can tell you a 30-minute story in a nanosecond. Because I'm going to tell you the story, and the whole time I'm, this is going on, the light is red. And you're going to look at me and go, that's not possible. It is possible with God. Amen. That's the reason why when I told you I went to heaven and was there all night, I have later found out that it could have been 30 seconds. It just seemed all night to me. You understand? I mean, I don't understand everything about time in the spirit realm. So anyway, I'm sitting at the traffic light, and the Lord said to me, and some of you have heard this, and, if you, and, if, and maybe I should get Melanie to teach it because she's heard it a hundred times because she's been in this church longer than anybody except Betty. So, but he told me the story. He said, he said, once upon a time, there was a little creature And he woke up late and his mommy and his daddy had gone to grandmama's house and he was left all alone. And this little creature jumped up and stepped down and started roaming through the jungle trying to find out how to get to grandmama's house because the family was gone. And he said he walked up to this, this, um, I think the first one was a was a gazelle, and he walks up and says, Mr. Gazelle, Mr. Gazelle, my mommy and daddy and all my brothers and sisters have left me, and they went to grandmama's house, and I don't know how to get to grandmama's house. And would you tell me how to get to grandmama's house? And the gazelle looked at him and said, oh, yeah, baby, you just got to get out and run like the wind. I mean, if you want to get anywhere, you just got to run. And the gazelle took off running. The little creature decided to try to be like a gazelle and just took off across the prairie. Just run, 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 run. And after a few minutes, he just fell on his face and thought, I can't keep up with no gazelle. So the little creature roams down and goes down into the jungle and he comes upon a bunch of monkeys up in a tree. And he comes and he says, Mr. Monkey, Mr. Monkey, my mommy and daddy left home this morning and I slept late and they they went to grandmama's house. I don't know how to get to grandmama's house. Can you tell me how to get to grandmama's house? They said, oh yeah, man, ain't nothing to it. He said, just jump up in the limbs and just swing, baby, swing. And so the little creature jumps up and grabs a limb and tries to swing and he falls right in the jungle floor and almost hurts himself and goes, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. So he's roaming through the jungle and he comes up to a river and he sees a big old fish down in there and he says, Mr. Fish, Mr. Fish, my mommy and daddy went to grandmama's house this morning and I don't know how to get to grandmama's house. Could you tell me how to get to grandmama? And the fish said, baby, you got to be cool. Just dive in and just shake your booty and take off up this river and you can find grandmama's house. Well, a little creature dives in the river and just about drowns and he crawls out and now he's more discouraged than ever. And he just roams around the jungle and the prairie, just roaming and roaming and roaming. And finally, he walks around, just bumps into this huge lion. And he thought, well, one more time. He looks up at the lion, says, Mr. Lion, Mr. Lion, 
My mommy and daddy left this morning, went to grandma's house. My brother and sister left. And I left. And I asked the gazelle and I asked the monkeys and I asked the fish and nobody's ever been able to help me get to grandma's house. And I don't know how to get to grandma's house. Can you, can you help me? And the lion looked down and he says, if you'll do what I say, I can get you to grandma's house. But you got to do what I say. He said, okay, I, I tried everything else. He said, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to worship God. And I want you to worship him with all of your might. I don't want you to open your eyes until you feel like you have worshiped God with all of your might. And when you open your eyes, you will know how to get to grandma's house. And so little creature says, well, okay. So little creature closes his eyes and standing there in the prairie, he just starts jumping around going, hallelujah, praise God, Jesus, hallelujah. And he just gets excited and he's just jumping around and just having a good time in Jesus and just praising the Lord. And he thinks, well, it's been a little while. And he opens up his eyes and he looks down below him about a thousand feet and there's a big old lion below him. And then he looks over the mountains and he sees his whole family headed over the mountains and flying off. And he looks at the lion and says, bye, Mr. Lion, I found my mom and daddy and brothers and sisters. And he takes off after his family. Well, I'm sitting in my car, light still red. And the Lord says to me, you have been asking everybody to help you. You've asked, the world cannot help you, son. You can't swing with them. You can't be cool with them. And you can't run with the world and get your answers to your prayers. If you want an answer to your prayer, you get out of this car and you worship God. And I'm telling you, I mean, it was a, I mean, there's no money, there's no food. I mean, every, if it was bad, I was in the middle of it. And I started worshiping God. I didn't feel like worshiping. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, honey, when you're broken and dis- no, I didn't feel like it either. I didn't worship him because I felt like it. I worshiped him because he's good. I did not know then these scriptures and realize that worship is a manifestation of your faith in God. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. I didn't realize that my worshiping God when everything was going wrong would cause God to start doing miracles for me. Well, I got in my car and I drove home singing, worshiping, just hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. God is a good God, hallelujah. I don't have a care in the world. God is a good God. I am prosperous. God is a good God. I'm driving down the road and worshiping God and there ain't nothing going good. How'd you get out of it? I haven't got any idea. But it wasn't like two weeks. I had money in my pocket and things started turning around for me. God turned all my circumstances around when I got off of my pity party. I know none of y'all have ever had one. I don't know why all this is happening to me. I've been serving the Lord and living for the Lord and tithing going to church. I'm telling you right now, if anything good ever happened to me, I don't know it. I mean, I don't know why God ain't showing up. I'll just tell you right now, I don't understand all that's happening to me. Well, I do. You ugly. That's what's happening to you. Because <laughs> God ain't obligated to do nothing for the old sourpuss. He's looking for some faith. He's looking for faith. Faith is manifested in how you treat things even when it's not going right. Now, I never forgot that because when he told me that story, that wasn't just for one time. I want to tell you another one. This one's real short. You remember me telling you about the time that God took me to heaven? I'm not going to go into that tonight. But right when I left, I asked him, I said, can I come back? Because you, you don't understand how cool it is to be in the throne room looking at God. That's cool. 
And I want to know, can I come back? And he said, every time you worship me, you are back. Now, I might not be seeing what I saw. I saw the angels singing. I saw God sitting on the throne. We had a conversation back. And it might not look like that. He said, but every time you worship me, you are back in my throne room. Now, there's another scripture that says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. See, honey, if you ain't coming with worship, you hadn't even gotten into the throne room. Ain't no sense in you praying until you get in. Okay, thank you. Are you saying that we should sing? Yes. I am. Are you God? I want to tell you something. You are going to find things on this planet you can't fix. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you know. Now, let me minister to the Bible school students a minute. There's a certain amount of pride in having gone to Bible school and learned the Bible, but I learned something. If you went to Bible school for a thousand years, you would not know enough to make it through the day without God. And, and you know, it took me a while because I, I had this idea, you know, because we learned that, you know, I mean, my people are per- perished for lack of knowledge. And I studied, 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 all the time. I'm reading five books right now. At the same time, I read all the time. I have never learned enough that I didn't need him. (laughs) I have day I just go, I don't know. I don't have any idea what to do. I know there's a book on my shelf someplace with the answer, but I don't know where it is. And I know I probably learned this in class, but I can't remember it. And so right now I'm just, I just got to throw myself on your mercy and just, I think I just need to sit here and worship you for a little while because because if it's up to me, I'm not going to be able to fix this thing, God. Now, one time I got into a mess and I'm not going to tell you what it was. I went through like 10 bad things at once. One of them would have devastated me. Ten at the same time. I'll tell you a few of them. Joshua blew his car up. Justin blew his car up. Same week. The house we were building, they busted all the windows out. The people we hired stole the money and left. Lisa got sick, I got sick, we ran out of money. That's just a few of the minor things that were going on. The people in the church were not happy with me and the church split and the income went to half. Those are the minor things. I'm not gonna get into the majors. How many of you ever just went, went, what the heck? And you want to feel like God's stepson? Everybody else is being blessed and I'm going through hell. And the devil's sitting on my head going, well, I'm going to kill you, your family, and your wife. And then there was Christians who agreed with him. You have never been through anything until you go through something and church people attack you. It's one thing to have your enemy, but when you've got people that have been your friends, then they attack you. You're like, I could have handled the devil. I could have handled the bad. There's a lot of, but my God, you and I have been, we've shared, we've preached together, been done ministry together. We're friends and now you're my sorry, good for nothing enemy. That, folks, I don't know, is that, is that difficult or am I the only one in here? Now, what do you do about that? I only know one thing to do, just get on your knees, pray in tongues and worship. Because, you know, you, you can forget English. You're so screwed up, you can't pray in English. 
The only thing coming out of your mouth is garbage. Like, kill them, God. Kill them. Bears, eat that one over there, God. Lightning, strike that one. And God's going back in tongues. Pray in tongues, son. Pray in tongues. <laughs> but I'm the only one ever been through anything like this. I know y'all have never. You go to the doctor and he's telling you how long you got to live. And you're thinking, good. Because I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out of this place. My God, if I have something, I'm leaving. And you come home and your wife goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. If you die, I'll kill you. She told me one time, she said, I'll raise you from the dead. But I know none of y'all have ever been through anything like that. So I'm only, you know, maybe there's one or two other people in here, right? Surely is that right? Now I'm going to tell y'all a secret and I'm not trying to scare you. You have a call of God on your life. You have a target on your chest. You're going to, if, you, if, you, if you ever say you're going to walk in authority, you better walk in authority. You read the book, you better do it. It better not be a novel to you. You know about the name, you're going to use the name. You know the reason you went to boot camp, learn to shoot a gun? Because they're going to stick you in a place where people are shooting at you. And if, if you don't know that by now, you've never been in. Oh, well, anyway, hallelujah. So what do you do about it? Well, only thing I know, Paul, you know, y'all have heard me preach this sermon a hundred times. I didn't preach it because for y'all, I was preaching it for me. Paul and Silas prayed and and what? Saying praises. You know, there's times that's all you can do is walk around your house and pray in tongues and worship God. And when they come in and tell you about the kids, all you can do is go, hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And do the happy dance when you are everything but happy. I told people in the church, I said, you see me get real happy? I'm going through hell. <laughs> <laughs> now y'all know the rest of the story hallelujah y'all ready for another one come on I got a couple more here <laughs> I'm running out of time so bad go to, go, go to Romans 4 and then we'll go to Psalm and then we'll close is this helping anybody I mean I, I, you know somebody said to me one time pastor you just don't understand and I'm going about what? You think I died and left the planet? Are you serious? <laughs> okay, never mind. Some people are going, what's he talking about? Hang around about a year or two. You'll figure it out. Romans 4.16. Look, look at this. There's something in here that we need to see again. Therefore, it's a faith that it might be by grace. So the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but those who have faith in Abraham, who's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that do not exist as though they did. What are you calling your children? Whole. Worship, saved, delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost in their right mind. Great is the peace of my children. They're taught of the Lord who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be and being not weak in faith, he did not even consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. How did his, what did he do when God gave him the promise? He started giving God glory. 
How often? All the time. All the time. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. The Bible says, count it all joy. When? When all hell is breaking loose. Be strong in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Strength is manifested in his presence. When you're giving him glory, you're producing faith and strength and miracles are happening. Mark Hankins said, while you're worshiping at church, something's happening back at your house. Do you see it? No. It's by faith. How do you know you're in faith? Because of your mouth. If you're giving God glory, you're in faith. If you're not, then give it to him anyway. Don't wait until you feel like it. All right, one more. Y'all ready? Psalm 149, and let's close with this. Anybody all right? This okay? I asked the Holy Ghost to help me tonight. I mean, I just kind of helped. I said, would you come kind of help me out a little bit here? He's always good. <laughs> well, you know, I know I'm radical. And it's all right. I'll stay this way. Someone said you're extreme. Yeah, I am. Extremely blessed. Extremely healthy. And if I wasn't, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> I come to church when I don't feel good. I just puke in the bathroom and come preach. <laughs> uh, Pastor, I couldn't make it. I was tired. <laughs> well, if you'd worship God, you'd get over being tired. Look at this. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker and let the children of Zion, that's the church, be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. I don't see why, Pastor. I just don't see why. I, I just don't see the benefit of the, all that jumping around. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. You just don't know how that bothers me. Come to church and there's people disrupting the service and jumping around. And I don't understand why they have to feel like they have to act like that. And I don't see the reason for running I mean, doesn't God know what they need anyway? So I, I just tell you the truth about it. Um, we're not going to be able to come back here anymore. We just need to go someplace where it's calmer. And, and, and when you get it together, we'll come back. And it won't ha never happen. As a matter of fact, we're getting worse, honey. We're getting worse. We, we're fixing to crank it up a little bit. We ain't, we ain't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, does, I mean, God hears you whether you're quiet or not. Well, I've been to quiet churches and God don't move there either. David told his wife, he said, I'll be more vulgar than this. And I know he wasn't being vulgar, but she said he was dancing in his underwear. I don't think he was talking about Fruit of Looms. <laughs> but he took off his priestly garb, his kingly garments. Made such an idiot out of yourself in front of all the people. Until you're ready to make an idiot out of yourself, you probably will never see God move. <laughs> I don't, I'm out of time bad. Let's finish reading this. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, and he will beautify the humble with salvation. 
Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. You don't even have to wait to come to church. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. A two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nation and punishment on the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all the saints. Praise the Lord. What do you think is happening to the devil? when you start worshiping. It says you're binding him up in chains. I mean, buddy, if you want to know, he can't stand worship. He can't stand praise. He can't stand the hallelujahs. I mean, what if you actually started acting like the Bible was true? You'd give the devil a heart attack. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> now everybody's got to help Justin do the happy dance. Now, now I'm going to tell you, I mean, you got to do the happy dance. You, got, you guys got to do the happy dance. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, I got an assignment. Don't you come in here Sunday morning and forget everything I preached. Because if you do, I'm going right back over my, I'm going to start right back on the same sermon again. We ain't going to have no more dead services around here. I say, hey, I'll tell the same. I, I will preach the same exact sermon every week for a month. I don't care. I'm humble enough to do it by God at the. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, everybody say this. Great is the peace of my children. They are taught of the Lord. I am blessed. Coming in and going out. Jesus is Lord. I am washed in the blood. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. Abraham's blessings are mine. And I count it all joy. God is a good God. And he's good to me. Hallelujah. Now, let me ask you one question real quick. Do you understand that if you have joy in your heart, and I, and I, you're not changing God. You're, you're, all of that's not for him. It's for you. And I'm not saying you got to scream all the time. You don't. But I'm going to tell you something. There are times when I, I, I stand at the door and someone said, I almost shouted. <laughs> oh, God forbid. I said, I almost gave you $1,000. I almost did. <laughs> this is a simple sermon, isn't it? Don't ever make the things of God hard. Getting miracles is easy. My yoke is easy. It might appear foolish. If you're going, I don't know what to do, just start worshiping God. Now, I'm going to tell you, it takes humility to do it. Amen. Father God, thank you for a good night. Father, I pray that you write what we, what we heard tonight on our hearts. And just like the day that in my, my car that day when you started telling me the story of the little creature. And I got out of there and I began to worship. I was confessing the word. I believe the Bible. But it wasn't until I began to worship that my life changed. That's when I started doing ministry. And that's when Lisa and I got married. Everything started changing in my life for the good. All because of one adjustment. I just began to worship God. 
Father, I believe with all of my heart it's as simple as this is. It's way more profound than we would ever imagine because we have no idea what's happening in the spiritual realm while we're worshiping. And Father God, we'll be a doer of the word of God, not a hearer only. And I ask you to bless everybody in the room as they go home. Father God, send us home full of joy. Fill our houses full of joy. Fill our mouths full of joy. And we give you praise and honor for all you're doing. And thank you for miracles, healings in our bodies, signs and wonders. In Jesus' name, God bless all of us. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.